0: Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always and this is our season review for the 2020 2021 Premier League campaign for Aston Villa we have five panelists including myself this is the biggest whole cast in history I think so hopefully connections all stay alike and don't screw up especially mine probably being the furthest well I guess Tom too I always forget that I have a another Canadian resident with me which is making it a little bit more comforting but anyways let's not listen to me rant on let's get right into it let's get to the panelist Danny how's it going i lost my uh, my mute button for a second i'm not gonna lie uh i'm good thanks cole how are you i'm good i'm i'm, I'm good i'm gonna have to edit that but i'm i'm good uh, I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sorry i couldn't find my mute button i was like
0: should I, should, I, should, I, should I try again should i jump in again that's fine i'll i'll make something up let's go to uh simon next simon how's it going
2: yeah not too bad thanks yes uh decent end to the season in the end wasn't it so uh, yeah looking forward to
0: the show should be good yeah absolutely and of course we have our two newer panelists you'll hear more from them next season but we've eased them in just for their own sake of comforts and sanity of course we'll start with seb first so seb how's it going
3: i'm very good thanks I'm um, very
0: good good I, I like how quick your answers are i have to get used to that because usually i'm used to simon or danny kind of going off for a bit so it let's me reset but anyways let's go to the final one of course that is not the least of course that is tom tom how are you yeah very well thank you
4: trying to uh come to terms with the villaless world for the next few weeks uh in the no transfer rumors aside obviously
0: yeah exactly actually you know what this is like we've had two seasons basically merged into one it feels like so The fact that we're basically on a break for two months feels a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it'll help us a little bit, but I'm sure we'll get some negativity in there at some point where fans will just start skewing on about things until the season starts and the transfer window closes and the Jack Realish speculation goes away. I think that's when we'll be most comfortable. But anyways, until those, we'll be be on a knife's edge, I guess you could say. But anyways, I've wrote down a number of questions. We'll try to get to all of these guys' answers. Um, Within all of these questions, But I also don't want to make this too, too long or people will probably just want to completely tune out, especially listening to my country annoying accent. But anyways, first question on the docket. Basically, it's just kind of a range of uh, we'll start with kind of our pre predictions in terms of the season, what we expected, we'll get into things like player of the season, underrated player of the season, uh, best signing and on and on and on. So it's almost kind of like an award show, um, hosted by me. So hopefully I get a nice little bonus from that. Um, if any sponsors listening, hit me up. I like cash, but anyways, let's go to Mr. Danny Raza. First, we'll go right across the board. We'll start with predictions prior to the season, Danny. So, uh, very quickly, uh, where did you think Villa were going to finish?
1: Yeah, I'm going to try not to keep it too long because I know there's only five. I know there's like five of us on here today. Um, obviously, there's no way you can kind of go back and, and and check what I said at the start of the season. But I'd have imagined I'd have gone somewhere around mid-table. And that's because the signings that we made weren't exactly big names. Emi Martinez, you know, was a second-choice keeper at Arsenal. You had you had Matty Cash, who... You know, not a lot of us had seen he's playing in the championship. Ollie Watkins once again did okay, and you know did did very well in the championship. But again, was a player that was brought in from the championship. Bertrand Traore, a player that you know wasn't didn't have his best season at Lyon. So, you know, at the start of the season, you're thinking, OK, we, we, we did terribly last year. Let's be completely honest. Uh, the season before nearly got relegated um, mid table would have been a good uh, would have been a good start. So, yeah, no, that's what that's what I probably was expecting, probably more around the 13th or 14th line.
0: Fair enough. And to be fair, I still have all the recordings from this year, so I could go back if I had that much time, but I don't. So I won't. I don't want to listen to myself. Anyways, um, let's go to Simon next. Uh, Simon, go ahead. Uh, so yeah, similar to Danny at the start of the season, I, I thought we'd finish
2: around between twelfth and fourteenth, really. Um I kind of the, the back end of last season, you saw the improvement defensively. And then you the gamble was really was Arlie was Watkins going to pay off and it did. And obviously that's why we've we've had the season that, that we've had. Um I think obviously as the season went on I had greenish been fit all season, we'd have probably finished a bit higher, but as you say, I, I thought we finished about 12 to 14. So to finish comfortably in 11th, having had the possibility of finishing a bit higher, I think uh, it's, it's gone pretty well in the end.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Seb, you're up.
3: I think the rest of the boys are quite unorganized because I have nothing better to do than to go back and look what I said. And I actually said that I'd be delighted with 14th at the start of the season. That was obviously before we'd made our signings. I think we'd only just signed Matty Cash at that point. So it was probably a bit of a risk going that high with so few signings after the season we'd just endured But I think I can speak for all of us where after the last few years that we'd been put through, I think it was quite nice to know that there was nothing riding on it going into the last few games of the season. It was a comfortable sort of mid-table ride the whole way through with a few highs and certainly a few lows as well. But all in all, I think we can be very happy with the way our season went.
0: Absolutely. And Tom, you're up. I mean, yeah, similar to the guys, really. I, I, have to say, I
4: thought the the idea of 12th or 13th, I thought was actually a bit optimistic at the start. I was thinking 13th to 16th, somewhere in that sort of bracket. Because again, I well, you know, the signings were. I mean, they've all, they pretty much all paid off. I wasn't sure how that was going to go. Um, and I, my my main thing was just to not take it down to the final day again, because I don't think any of us want that, uh, want those heart attacks again. So. Uh, Yeah, I mean, to to finish like 11th, it's a shame we didn't get top half, but it was certainly beyond my expectations. So you can't really complain too much, can you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the thing when I'm listening to all these answers especially makes me realize is, Next season, there's a lot more pressure. So there's going to be a hell of a lot more negativity <laughs> if we don't get like probably top seven for most people. So maybe this is kind of the, the happiest and go lucky that most Villa fans will be at this point. So um, enjoy it while it lasts because we know what expectations can do to this football club. But anyways, um, to be honest, I thought it was going to be like 14th or 15th. And this is before any signings. I just want it to be relatively comfortable maybe on the last couple weeks. And then I would take that taken that i should say um the fact that we finished comfortably in 11th couldn't really move anywhere in the final day i mean it, it is a shame considering all things going down but at the end of the day you know what we're still there 20 points um prior to or to the prior season, I should say um, it, it's a massive jump and no one can really sit there and say, that's not progress. That's a massive progress. And I think 55 uh, points or so is usually a top seven finish in most seasons. I think this was the only season that it wasn't. So that probably speaks to how poor the bottom three were more than anything. But uh yeah, you know what? I'll take it. Let's go to the next question, and we'll go back to Sir Danny Raza. Um, let's start with our um, signing of the season. There might be a few different answers to this, but I feel like I know the one everyone's probably going to point to for the majority. So, Danny, take it away.
1: Yeah, Sammy Martinez for me. Um, it, was, it's, it was it was difficult because there, there are – gosh, I don't want to be harsh to Birch and Traore – but there's about three different signings you could probably look at and think about. Matty Cash, to be fair, second half of the season probably dropped off a little bit. Emi Martinez and Ollie Watkins though are probably going to be the two. But it's it's got to be Emmy because the amount of points that he saved us on his own. Um and we haven't had a goalkeeper that good for years and years. Um look, I'm I'm gonna flat out say this. We managed to sign the best goalkeeper in the league for 16 million pounds. And I'm gonna say that straight up. Emi Martinez, best goalkeeper in the Premier League. Brilliant signing. Uh, and and easily
3: easily our best
0: fair enough sorry there i was typing and wasn't paying attention for a second uh oh it's <laughs> professional me uh you simon
3: typing another rap were you
0: no unfortunately not i i decided to uh i didn't hang up the hat because this is the hat but i uh i decided to retire those uh those vocal cords they're hanging in the closet unfortunately yeah to be fair i actually got a fair few people saying they liked it so I, I don't know in what way they liked it but anyways uh simon let's bring it over to you please save me
2: uh well i just want to say i love the rap for you know, I, I really enjoyed that but um yeah starting on the season it's, it's got to be martinez um i agree i think matty cash first half of the season was a lot better than I expected. Like, I, I didn't think right-back was the priority position for us, but to be fair, he was he was excellent. Um, Ollie Watkins has had a great season. You know, this, you can't deny that to get, was it 14 Premier League goals I think he got in the end? Uh, it was brilliant. But Martinez, as as Danny said, the amount of points that he saved us, you know, I think back to the uh, Brighton away game, you know, he, he got us a point in that. 15 clean mm-hmm. sheets um, is outstanding. And for me, he's, He's the best goalkeeper I've seen at Villa since Mark Bosnich. and you know Bosnich is great, but Martinez he's just been outstanding. And, and like Danny said, to have got him for just sixteen million pounds, I, I, honestly, I, I cannot. To this, I, I said at the time, I said it all season, and I'll say it again now. Can't believe Arsenal let him go to us. So um, yeah, it's got to be
0: Martinez for Sonic of the season. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Seb. How about you?
3: I've gone for Ollie Watkins actually, just down to his versatility that he offers us, you know, he's not just a striker that will score goals. He's a striker that will do the hard running for you. He'll track back. He'll do the defensive work. You know, being Villa fans, we're we're prone to strikers coming in and not hitting the ground running. You know, since Benteke, our last few Premier League strikers have been Wesley, Sumato and Rudy Justed. So we haven't exactly been spoiled for choice in terms of goal scoring attackers that also do the hard work as well but the fact that he's come in and he hit the ground running straight away is so rare you know you look at Timo Werner he's he's propped up to be one of the best strikers in the world he came in with Chelsea and he really really struggled so it's really good to have that bit of consistency but I think if he can push on next season then Again, with Martinez, it could prove to be an absolute bargain, especially with him now getting in the England team as well and getting that experience at an international level. Hopefully, if Southgate decides to choose him for the Euros, then we could have a real another hot prospect on our hands.
0: Absolutely, Tom. Let's go over to you. Listen, I'm gonna get uh, I'm gonna get splinters in my backside a little
3: bit from sitting
4: on the fence, but uh, it because Martinez and Watkins, I think there's a case for, there's a strong case for both. You look at like the, the, the price, I think with Martinez is a big thing, like 16 million, save so many points like that, That that is a difference maker, I think. But the, I'd like to make the case for Watkins, because the way I see it is that I know that in gold, Tom Heaton had his injury. But had Heaton stayed fit, I think we already had a pretty solid goalkeeper, not to Martinez's standard, but a keeper who's going to make a lot of big saves and is going to be pretty good for us. Whereas the signing of Watkins, we A, we only had Wesley and Samata as said said, and that's not a Premier League strike force. But B, Watkins, the way that he plays has transformed our entire team. Like the number of goals we've scored this season from Watkins leading the pressing from the front, forcing Uh, opposition defences into mistakes, getting the ball, scoring a goal. uh, I I mean, I I tried to count and I lost count at at about seven or eight, I think, uh, goals just from, you know, just from defensive mistakes and high pressing. Um, Factor in the fact that Watkins scored, what was it, 14 goals, hit the woodwork more than most Premier League teams hit the woodwork this season. Had two or three goals disallowed. We won't get angry about them again. We don't have time, but, you know, he he could easily have been looking at a 20-goal season. Um, and so in terms of the return we got from him and the way that he has just tra- just transformed the way that we play, um, that would be my case for Watkins, but it's Martinez. <laughs>
0: <laughs> fair enough. That's more than fair. All I can say is I hope those uh, splinters come out very easily and it was a nice fence at least. So that's all I can say about that. Um, I'm going to have to say mine would be uh, Ross Barkley I'm just kidding I, I honestly I wanted to kind of put that in there as a joke and try to go with it but I, I don't think I could be too serious with that to be honest we'll, we'll mention him at some point I'm sure um, good old Ross he's always there for a good conversation and has probably filled a lot of these uh podcasts with content so thank you for your contributions or lack of their uh, Sir Barkley himself anyways um I guess my answer for this one I guess you have to go with Emmy Martinez I mean what more can you really say uh, the fact that Arsenal let him go is probably the biggest joke of the season and kind of speaks to where their club is now. Um, I mean, it's a hell of an achievement to get 15 clean sheets in your debut season. Um, if anything, it probably does him a, a little bit of disservice for next season when probably fans are going to probably expect that again. And that's going to be kind of a hard feat to hit to back to back seasons. But you know what, with the performances he pulled out and some of those saves, I have no doubt in my mind that it'll at least be over 10 Um, we're getting better as a squad too so that always adds to it as well uh but yeah i i really don't know who else you really could have gone for i guess ollie Watkins is a good choice as well i'm surprised um no one mentioned really maddie cash but uh fair play i I thought he's been wonderful but anyways to the surprise just to say
1: yeah no it's it's that second half of the season i think There were there were multiple. So whilst Martinez saved us a lot of games on his own and Watkins has obviously won us a lot of games on his own. There's been games where Matty Cash has kind of thrown us under the bus. I'm not I'm not I'm not having a go at him, but there have been those games with Matty Cash. And I think with I think if he can sort of sort that side of his game out next season, he could be a real force for us because we've seen we've seen that maturity. But I think under pressure, there's been times where he's just been a bit, you know, come on, Matty. (laughs)
0: Yeah, no, that's fair. I think, you know what, especially coming from the championship, I think he gets a little bit of slack for that as well. There's obviously that adjustment period. Some players take to it way easier than others, and I'm not saying he didn't um, adjust quickly, but yeah, no, I can 100% see that anyways um let's go on to the surprise performer of the season um we do have another one we'll go on about the most underrated so maybe they kind of fall into each other but nonetheless we'll we'll start with that one and we'll put that one a little bit later in the pod of course so danny let's start with you your surprise performer of the season so the thing is um i was
1: struggling with this one because there's because there's two guys but i think okay there's th- there's three but the thing is, two of them are either are too far one way or too far the other. Okay, what I mean is, Matty Target had a very, very good season. So I could put, I could say Matty Target. He had a very, very good season, but I wasn't. I, it's not that I wasn't expecting it. He always had that in him. He's always been. He was improving a lot last season, so I'm not surprised at all that he went on and, 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 and had a brilliant season for us. Courtney Hawes didn't play enough games for us, but I wanna, I wanna mention him just because every single time he's played for us, he's been terrific, and. I genuinely think if Konza or Mings were injured, for example, Courtney Ours could step in and do, a, and do a brilliant job. So for a two million pound defender, um, I think he's done a terrific job because people probably were a little bit worried that if he came into the side, it would upset our up defensive balance. And it never did. Um, and in fact, in some ways, it improved us. I'm not saying that he's better than Konza or Mings, but, you know, in some games we looked even better with him. But my surprise performer is Anwar O'Ghazi. I don't think any one of us was expecting him to go on and score. Was it 10 goals in the end? Right. I don't, I don't think any single one of us was, was expecting that. And for, for him to come in and do that, save games, um, win us games on his own, uh, convert penalties so coolly, you know, after some of the criticism he was getting. Yeah, it's got to be Anwar. It's got to be Anwar because, because people were worried about that left-wing position. And to be honest, it never turned out to be a problem.
0: Yeah, massively. Uh, Simon, I, I'm assuming you didn't see my message, so up to you next. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, I I was going to say target. I hadn't even thought of El Ghazi as the surprise one, but now that he said that, yeah, that's... I might have to change my mind there. The, the, the reason I had target was because I thought... I didn't think he was as bad last season as some fans would have you believe he was, but he wasn't great. He did look you know, at times quite weak defensively, so I think the reason that I initially picked him as a surprise performer is because I didn't, I didn't think he would jump up to the level that he has jumped up to this season. I honestly think he's he's been there's a reason he won the Players Player of this season. Like he, he's he's been outstanding. I'd, I'd say he, he's one of those players. He's turned into a player that's a bare minimum seven out of ten every week, which I didn't think from last season would happen. But having having said all that yeah danny's just completely changed. from my hundred pound like he Al-Ghazi's a player that i've always i've always thought he's had the ability like i, I, I to be fair, i don't think any Minifan can really say that he's not a capable footballer, but he's just worried about the consistency with him but for to get seven uh, ten Premier League goals this season and I, I think I saw stats a few days ago that the amount of minutes he's played this season only adds up to 17 90-minute games in the Premier League. so started
1: 17 times. It was 17 starts, I think, and 11 off the bench, I think.
2: So, well, like, I think all the minutes together only adds up to like 17 complete 90-minute performances. So to get 10 goals from that amount of starts for a Winger and a team that have finished mid-table, yeah, you can't really knock that. sir. So, yeah, I'm going to change my mind and go for El Ghazi. Daddy, convinced me. <laughs>
3: I can't believe that. I can't believe that. I might have to change my underrated player of the season because it sounds like he's being rated quite highly on this podcast. For me, my surprise performer of the season, it has to be Matty Target. He's been so consistent. He's been solid at the back. He's still great going forward. And even without Grealish, you know, last season I was worried about him defensively. You know, he was error prone. He looked quite weak on the ball. Um, it, I think he's played every game. I think he's only equated to missing 15 minutes worth of action over the whole course of the season. So he's been a real key player for us in that left back role. You know, I think he's unlucky not to be in the England squad, obviously due to the good performances of Chilwell recently winning in the Champions League and Luke Shaw having a breakout season at Man United. But I think he's probably next in line. Whereas if you look at last season, I don't think he was anywhere near contention of getting in the England squad. You know, he's clearly done work with the fitness team and the fitness coach, Ollie Stevenson. So a lot of credit has to go down to him as well. And he he looked at assured at the back I think I read somewhere that he's made 97 tackles this season which is the third most amongst left backs in Europe's top five leagues and 18th overall amongst all positions in Europe's top five leagues so if you look at that you know he wasn't awful last season but if you look at the start contrast to how much he's stepped up you know when we were playing dangerous opposition teams, they were looking to go down the other side to him because they, they knew how assured he he has become. So if you, if you look at threats, you know, he's very solid defensively now and he's always been good going forward, hasn't he? So for me, it's got to be Matty, Matty target, no one else.
4: Yeah. I mean, I, 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 agree with the two that we've discussed really like for me I was I'd probably say, say El Ghazi over Target just because Target that the level the level that he's stepped up has, has surprised me that he's like like we said that he's improved quite that much but I, I thought he was I liked him a lot last year you know and I could see I could really see an improvement in him last year and I thought he was gonna have a better season this season whereas El Ghazi I was actually expecting or oh, not necessarily expecting, but I wouldn't have been surprised to see El Garsi trend in the other direction this season. Uh, get a bit less game time and not make the most of when he's played. But I mean, to add to the, the the sort of stats we were throwing around about El Garci before, like he didn't even play more than 20 minutes of a game until midway through December. And it was only after he came on in he put that, that ice cold penalty last minute against Wolves to win us the game and it started to get more game time and to get 10 goals from 28 league games or whatever it was in the end, the manner in which, you know, the manner of the goals that he scored. Um, and I, I just think he's he's turned into a player that, okay, he's still quite inconsistent. You know, I'm not saying that we don't need to improve in the wing areas, but he, he he's turned up for us a fair few times this season in a way that I wasn't really necessarily expecting him to. Um, and I, I mean, I'd give one shout out as well. I have to give a shout out to Bertrand Traoré because I don't really I don't watch very much French football. I have to say, I'd heard very mixed things about him from uh, you know some French football journalists. is Jonathan Johnson. I know it's a Villa fan, but there's a lot of uh, Leger stuff. Um, but Tra- Traoré, I don't think I've ever seen a Villa player who has as much of a chaos factor as Traoré has. Like you never know what you're gonna get step overs all over the place, booting the ball out of play two minutes later, nearly scoring wonder goals, missing sitters. Just, it's always a surprise with Bertie. So uh, I look forward to what we've got coming from him next season as well. You just never know.
0: He's like our version of Santa Claus, the way you just described him. So I I, I will take that. You never know what kind of present you're going to get. You might have asked for it. Maybe you were good or bad, but nonetheless, you got a gift that uh, will surprise you nonetheless. That's probably the most terrible reference I could ever make. But anyhow. Um, mine it's Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe, yeah (laughs) I hate you daddy I'm just kidding Um, for mine I I guess there's maybe a little bit of an argument the reason I'm going to say Ollie Watkins is I just the the step up from the championship to the Premier League we knew what we're going to get in terms of his ability Um, it's been kind of a quick succession in terms of Exeter in League 2 to Brentford in the championship to scoring all those goals in the championship coming so far or so close, I should say to promotion yet so far coming to us, you're thinking, you know what, maybe we'll be lucky to get 10 goals out of him. We know the struggles we kind of had last season when it came to goal scoring. So there's that to keep in mind, but to get what I think it was 14 Premier League goals. Um, I think he led all aerial duels for the side as well in the Premier League. Um, The guy has an engine on him. He just keeps running and running. I just, I, 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 you're basically lying to me. If you said you knew the whole package we were getting, it's complete, really shock and awe that he's turned out to be this good um this quickly so I, I think for me i have to give that to him um if i was going to give a second one i would have went to tom and said Bertie triore uh but everyone has a chance during the under underrated portion i guess to uh maybe give their their second ballot a little bit of a push as well so let's get over to the underrated performer of the season shall we so danny i'll swing it back over to you
1: yeah see underrated that's slightly different isn't it um I'd probably go with, at that point, Courtney Hawes. And I'm I'm putting him in there. I don't know. Again, I'm going to say he didn't play that many games. In fact, let me check how many games he actually played. Um, Yeah, he only made seven appearances. (laughs) But what I'm saying is when he played, when he played, he stepped up and he did better than anybody expected. And I just just want to praise him because he does not get the respect that he deserves. He really does not get the respect that he deserves. You know, I think people still saw him as a championship defender last year. I never hear any of the commentators or anything say a word about the guy, right? It's almost like an unknown quantity. But I'm telling you right now that Courtney Hawes is a Premier League defender. If Tyrone Mings gets injured, and, you know, that's, that would be awful. If he was to get injured for like three or four months and Courtney Hawes stepped in to do that job, I'm telling you, our defence would still be fantastic. Um, and to, to say anything else, right, he seems to be the only guy who seems to be a danger in the box as well when it comes to corners. Uh, but yeah, I'm giving it to Courtney. Seven appearances, but if he needs to make more than that, if, if, we, if we put him in the team uh, whilst Konza plays right back, I still think he's going to do a great job. So there you go. There's your underrated performer of the season. I really think he needs to get more um, plaudits than he does. And, but secondly, Marvellous Nakamba, who are completely overlooked. Um, who I'm going to let somebody else take Marvellous Nakamba because I know somebody else will. But um, N- Nakamba as well doesn't get the plaudits he deserves. He often gets myth- mythicised as a guy that can't pass the ball. Um, I've seen no evidence of that. He seems to he seems to come in and do a very good job whenever he plays. So, yeah, that's that's my secondary one.
2: Well, me and Danny have clearly done too many podcasts together because I've got Courtney Hawes as well. <laughs> we've, we've got the exact same answer so far. Um, similar to what you just said then, like he... He didn't obviously play an awful lot of games, but I, I think at the start of the season, I I get the feeling a lot of fans wouldn't have felt conf uh, confident uh, confident or comfortable with him playing too much football. But every time he came in, uh, apart from probably the Crystal Palace game where no one played well in that second half, I thought he looked really comfortable. I, I go back to um the was it uh, when we played Chelsea at Stamford Bridge just before New Year's and. I think cause Ming's has obviously got set off against Crystal Palace the game before. And I certainly was a bit nervous going into that game, thinking oh he might struggle here. But I thought he had a really good game there. And yeah, like what Danny said, every time he's come in, he hasn't let us down. He makes us uh, he, you know, he keeps that solidity at the back, he's powerful in the air. He's not great on the ball. Um that's you know, probably the one area that that you think he, he could definitely improve upon. But as a solid Premier League defender, I think he's he's done a really good job and called upon this season, and yeah, probably goes un, under the radar a bit as well. Um, so yeah, I'll go Courtney Hawes.
3: I'm speechless. I I I wasn't expecting Courtney Hawes. I don't know. I don't think it's that. I it's because he's underrated. Underrated. I just for someone that's played seven minutes, can they be counted as underrated? Are they allowed to be talked about enough if they've only played seven games? And I'm really surprised at that. But anyway, we'll move on. Cordy Haas um,
0: boss, okay? Don't make me rap it again. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll move on to my underrated player of the season, which makes me seem a bit of a fool now because you guys clearly seem to rate him very, very highly. But I've gone for Amwar El Ghazi as my underrated player of the season. I think he's had a brilliant... Season, I think he's improved again, as he has done every year that he's been at the club. But I still don't think, from pundits, he gets the sort of plaudits. I think if you were to speak to people that analyse Villa, whether that be on the TV or whether that be neutrals, they'll all look to Jack Grealish as our winger, and it's almost as if we only play with one winger. It will be Jack Grealish, Jack Grealish, rightly so, but. I think Anwar El deserves more plaudits for the shift that he puts in. He's become very good defensively. It was always Trezeguet that was our defensive winger. If we wanted to put in a defensive performance, we'd put Trezeguet on and he'd do the shifts. But it looks like Anwar El has sort of adopted that into his game more. He stops um, the counter overlap from the opposition very, very well. And he's very good at dribbling with the ball out. I think we have quite a few players that are confident when in possession in the defensive half of the pitch to be able to dribble it out and start an attack going quickly, whether that be a pass or whether that be through possession themselves. But I think Anwar does that really well and efficiently as well. So he's my underrated player of the season. But clearly here at 7.500 to Holt, we rate him very highly indeed.
4: Yeah, I mean, I'm going to come back to... I do agree with uh, Danny and Simon about Courtney Hawes. I don't... For underrated player of the season, I don't necessarily think that getting regular game time is a prerequisite for choice. If anything, I think that if you're not... If you're picking a player who's not getting that much game time, that just sort of reinforces the point that they're they're underrated. My pick, I'm going to come back to uh, Marvellous Nakamba. Because, I mean, I... On a previous podcast, I have been championing Villa... Uh, Villa's need for a new defensive midfielder in the summer. I do stand by that because I do. And it's mainly because I don't think that Douglas Luiz is has been playing in his best position for us. So I think we need another option there. But what I have to say is, whenever Marvellous Nakamba has come in, I think pretty much exclusively he's done an excellent job. He he he, he has a very he has a very um, clear and determined job that no other player is really asked with, um, and that's just to get amongst them, break up the play. Pass the ball to somebody who is the ball carrier and can create something. And he does it excellently, I have to say. I know he made that mistake um, for the Spurs goal, Spurs opener. But from that moment on in that game, he was fantastic. I thought he was possibly our best player on the pitch, um, that, that mistake aside. And I just think it's difficult, right, for a player when you're not getting regular game time, you know that you're not a member of the first choice starting eleven. So then to come in and to do your job and to do it excellently every week um, deserves credit, really. And he's just surprised me because he's one I've not not been sure about, really. I've not been sure that he has what it takes to succeed uh, at Villa on a regular basis. And while he might not, my first choice defensive infielder next season I think he's more than proven that he's got a big role to play even if it's just in rotation
0: so uh shouts out to Marv. fair enough I was gonna go with Nakamba as well but Tom basically took all my points um so I'll, I'll change it up I'll be a little bit more creative um he hasn't been mentioned yet and I think he needs to and that is big Keenan Davis um Keenan always has to be mentioned on this podcast or Danny will probably fly here and slap me. So let's mention him right now. Um, I know some people will be thinking like, what am I going on about? But you know what? When he was actually substituted on in given time, he did actually produce results. Uh, Of course, the goal was kind of a bit of a lucky fluke but I mean, he did set up a few as well. And it was just one of those things where you bring him on with five minutes left and it never worked out because it didn't give him enough time to really get into the game and embed himself in. And we saw really what happened when he was given what, 2015 or so minutes. Um, I think at least a few times. And I think from those few times, we actually either got a draw or kind of turned around results somewhat. So, uh, you know what, I'm not going to say he's the striker that we kind of need coming off the bench. Cause I think we still need to improve there, but you know what for kind of the limited time he was given the contributions that he ended up providing I I know it's probably the biggest shout of them all but I'd have to go with him but anyways guys we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back for the second half of the podcast and welcome back to the second half of this edition of the Holtcast season in review I'm going to throw it right over to Danny now we're going to talk about our biggest disappointment of the season so it could be a player or a moment but without further ado Danny take it away
1: Okay, so I should have got. I mean, I should have come prepared at the moment, but I'm going to go with Ross Barkley as biggest disappointment as a player, just because the guy was the guy was red hot start of the season. I just thought that oh, it was sorted. Now we're sorted. We're going to climb into Europe. We've got Grealish. We've got Barkley. Um, Actually, it's kind of like a double one here as well. Like, gotta include Jack Grealish's injury and all of this because you know the reason why Ross Barkley was such a disappointment is that you know really expected him to take the take the you know take the mantle there basically and become that guy to, to lead Villa uh, on their charge when, when, when really did get injured. It never really happened. He never stepped into those boots. Not that anybody can, uh, but, you know, at the very least, you know, do well enough, do well enough that, uh, you know, you can protect your place from, you know, a youth team prospect like Jacob Ramsey. Um, he wasn't able to do that. And uh, unfortunately for, for Ross Barkley, that means he's probably not going to kick on next season either, uh, wherever he goes. Um, I hear that Newcastle looks nice these days.
2: Bloody hell, that would be a classic uh, signing for Newcastle, wouldn't it? Um, Yeah, big disappointment. It's got to be Ross Barkley. It's not a surprise. I think he started. You know that first couple of games, obviously debut against Liverpool, got a goal, got to the last-minute win against Leicester and then when you think back to uh, the Arsenal game at the Emirates as well when we absolutely destroyed them and, and he was superb that day and you just kind of thought oh, he, he's finally got himself going but um. The uh this his performances in the second half of the season when he came back from injury were just so poor. And and like Danny said there with with, with Jack's injury, that was a real opportunity for him to step up and you know be the main man and, and help us out. And he just didn't do it at all. And by the end, he looked like he just couldn't be asked to be there. Like he looked so disinterested when he lost the ball and um You know, a player of his ability, I've said it before, like, he's, I personally think in terms of natural ability, he's probably a better technical footballer than someone like Mason Mount, but Mount plays to the highest of his, he puts everything in every single week, that's why he's starting Champions League finals for Chelsea, and Ross Barkley at 27 has just ended yet another disappointing season uh, on loan at mid-table club, so... Yeah, it's got to be Ross Barkley.
3: For the first time today, I'm probably going to have to agree with both of them. I think if you look at our squad for the first time, we're probably really limited in options of worst player, which is a really nice uh, nice thing to have for once. But um, yeah, I mean, whether he had issues with COVID and injury, you know, he suffered his setbacks along the way, but I don't think he helped himself. His relationship with the fans turned sour, and it was probably quite a good thing that he avoided fans being there actually, because otherwise I think it could have got nasty quite quickly. But I'm gonna try and improvise here and also come up with a bad moment as to not repeat what the other boys have said, and in terms of games. I think the double header against West Ham this season. I think both games we looked really disappointing against them. I Cole's fuming. I've clearly stolen his choice, which I'm absolutely delighted about. So I'm gonna, I'm he, I'm gonna make him improvise. But the first game away from home was just a shower of disasters, wasn't it? We shot ourselves in the foot. I think we conceded early in the first half. We conceded early in the second half. Obviously, Grealish got us back into the game. Watkins then won and missed a penalty. And then Watkins didn't go down for a penalty and got flagged offside in the 94th minute or whatever it was. So it was clearly not our day at that point. And then when West Ham visited Villa Park in Birmingham later on in the season, we were both in that sort of range where we were fighting for Europe. So I think if we'd have beaten West Ham second leg, well, second leg almost, I think we could have gone into the top four for the first time for quite a while. And we could have really made a decent push out of it. But then again, they came and they absolutely wiped the floor with us. Jesse Lingard scored on his debut, which looked, I mean, it was bound to happen, wasn't it? All the focus was on him before the game and fair dues. He turned up. I wasn't expecting him to be a good signing for him, for them, but they absolutely transformed him and he transformed them. And, yeah, we were no match for them on the second leg, and rightly so. They went and kicked on and really made their season a successful one. While we had a good season, but unfortunately, we fell back into the lower half of the table.
4: Yeah, I mean, I've gone for I've gone for a game as well, because mainly because I, uh, to be quite honest with you, I can't be asked to talk about Ross Barkley. I just can't be bothered. Right? It's not worth the effort. Thanks for the thanks for the couple of winners. Um, and see you later. Uh, for me, it's that you know, the Grealish injury is obviously a big one and it wasn't so much the initial injury for me. It was, do you remember when he was, we all thought he was coming back for a Saturday or a Sunday game. And then I think it was literally the day before, maybe 48 hours before we found out that he had sort of aggravated it in training and he was going to be out again indefinitely again after the timeline had already been delayed. I mean, that is, that, that, that was, uh, that was a big blow uh, to morale really, certainly as a fan. Um, and then if you're talking about games and like just some the manner in which we lost some of the games that we lost, like Seb's already raised uh, West Ham at home. That was a disappointment. I'm thinking for me, the one probably is the Burnley loss at Turf Moor When you're 1-0 up and you're 2-1 up and you lose 3-2 with two goals in the last 15 minutes and you're playing Burnley. Um and, and then you know the Palace game as well, uh, late late in the season, that one wasn't such a big issue because by then our se- you know, we were we were comfortably in mid-table with not really much to play for. But to lose that game, that topsy Derby game, lose that three, two, you know, losing away at Sheffield United. I mean, for for for, for the, some of the amazing wins we had, the double over Arsenal, the seven-two Liverpool, obviously, good results against other big teams, late season Spurs and Chelsea, like some of the defeats. Yeah, just left you scratching your head, really, and obviously you had the ine- the inevitable Twitter meltdown, which we all try not to try not to give too much credence to. But there were some, some games this season where you just you're left not really knowing what to say, and so I think that's got to be a big focus for next season. Is you know we've proven we can mix with the big teams and we can pull some some really great performances, and great results out, but we've got to stop shipping these terrible results to teams that just shouldn't be beating us if we want to be moving forward.
0: Absolutely. Um, on a kind of lighter note, uh, my biggest disappointment is a and Akamba not scoring a screamer. I don't know how many times I said it this season and it never happened. So I will say the reggie long goal is a screamer just, just to give them a little bit more kind of credence and a little bit more happiness going into this um, our off season. That's really uh, going to be key for us. But you know what, if I'm going to go to games, I'm going to echo really what Tom said. It's the, Drawing to West Brom to all, it's losing to Sheffield United, which was probably one of the biggest just tear my eyes out moment that, that I've seen all season. Um, drawing to Newcastle in the, probably the most boring game of the season. It's, I guess you could throw the nil-nil at Brighton where we got absolutely bombarded. And to be fair, we were probably lucky um, losing to them as well in such a kind of naive way to concede against, the, I think it was the first one that Welbeck scored it's just these kind of marginal things that i guess as a football club we're getting better so you can expect some of these things to happen and of course tom said the burnley result and the palace result some of those are free you're going to get one or two of those a season anyways but i think next season especially it's just about kind of turning some of those over into wins into more points and hopefully we do that because if i have to watch another boring game of a one all against newcastle like that where we scored arguably a fluke goal and then they just literally equalized minutes later and probably another fluke way just yeah i don't know i just don't want to watch anything with steve bruce in it ever again so hopefully he's gone but knowing this He'll stay somehow. He'll bring in Ross Barkley. Ross Barkley will score against us and they'll be singing up the tune all the day long. But anyways, um, let's go to our favorite moments of the season or moment, I should say, of the season. Um, We'll try to get through this one quickly so we can get to the next uh, couple because they'll probably require a little bit more discussion. Um, But Danny, take it away.
1: So this is favorite moment of the season. Yeah.
0: Yes. I didn't confuse you this time.
1: Yeah, good. Uh, it it's like I feel I feel really sort of um I feel like it's wrong that I'm getting to go first every single time. Um, it's the Liverpool seven-two. Like I I don't ever remember kind of like enjoying a Villa game that much. Okay, the playoff final, you know, that's something. But you know, this is a game that had no prerequisites with it, right? This is just just a league game against the champions. You're not going to beat them, right? Because they're unbeatable, right? They're ridiculously good. You know, you're talking about Sadio Mane, you're talking about Mo Salah. Like, the fact that we were able to go into that game and make them look silly nonetheless, yeah, it was too fun. And as well, <laughs> it just set up the season, didn't it? You know, it's it's what made Villa kind of the, the team that, under um, the dark horse in that race in terms of, you know, getting into Europe, getting into the Champions League, uh, it Was it was, that's where Grealish looked on fire. It's where Watkins looked like he was going to, Go on and have a great season, Ross Barkley as well, and I think it really kicked the team on. And I think in in some ways it gave them the belief that they were a team that could mix it with those top sides. Because prior to that game, we just weren't beating beating top six teams, traditional top six teams. And since then, it seems like we have the belief to be able to do that. So yeah, that was the game that, that showed that we have the talent and the and the fire to, to to kind of mix it up at the top. So let's just hope that um, you know we can continue and get more of those uh, next season.
2: Yeah, um, had. El Mahammedi's volley against West Brom gone in. That would definitely be my favourite moment because I absolutely love Elmo and good to see him go. But um, yeah, it's got to be the seven-two. I mean, it's just I, I honestly thought I was going to pass out on one stage watching that. I just couldn't believe what, what I was seeing. Like you know, like, like Danny said, when you think last season, I think we didn't beat any of the you know traditional top six teams until Arsenal, like with two games to go. Liverpool had still been in great form. They, you know, they'd won all their games before then this season. They, they had you no know, Van Dyke was still playing and Glad Gomez. They didn't have their injury problems, and we just absolutely destroyed them. And we, if we could have put 10, 11, 12 past them that day, and it wouldn't have been unflattering. Um, Watkins to get a perfect hat trick, and you know, and sort of announce himself as a Premier League striker. And it's just, you know, obviously we've. In my time sort of going to the Villa, we've we've won more important games, you know, player finals, a uh, couple of League Cups. But in terms of just like a, an individual 90 minutes, I think that's the best performance and results I've ever seen from a Villa team. So, yeah, it's got to be that 7-2. It's just unbelievable.
3: I mean, Simon's a bit older than me, so if he says that's the best performance he's ever seen, then it's got to be the best performance that I've ever seen as well. I mean, every time... It makes a difference because my dad's a Liverpool fan, so obviously we watch the games together and... Every single time the ball hit the back of the net from a Villa perspective, I just burst out laughing. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was so easy. You know, I've seen better defending on a Sunday league pitch when people are hungover in the mornings on the weekend and playing for fun. It was just ridiculous. We tore them to shreds. But again, to not repeat what the other boys have been saying, I'm going to go off a personal level, my favourite moment of the season. It's got to be the last game, home game, being back at Villa Park, you know, getting to see all the new signings in person and cheer them out and having the fans back and just having that sense of belonging back almost, even if it's not a full ground, you know, to be back at a place that we've all missed so dearly for so long. It's a special moment and it's probably a game that I'll never forget yeah i mean i i
4: I think that having fans back was just obviously was just so special and like you say it's 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 bizarre to think that you know our fans hadn't seen watkins play hadn't seen martinez play like we're talking about these players of the season and the, the signings that have made the difference for us and to go 18 home games without actually seeing them play you know that's it's a pretty special moment to have fans back in the ground um to mix it up a bit, you know, obviously the 7-2 was just was ridiculous. It was just so surreal. Um, I also thought the, the 3-0 win at Arsenal was just such a complete sort of display and, and incredibly satisfying. Um, and then there's a few other little moments. Like, for <laughs> you know what? Shout out to Ross Barkley. Because for all of his, all of the criticism, which I think he, he deserves, and obviously we were, we we're frustrated and we're not too upset to see him go. But for me, a, a big moment was that last-minute winner at Leicester. I think that was, what, fourth game of the season, made it four wins in a row to start the season. and Because you could have you ended up feeling like the Liverpool game, you know, 7-2. We outclassed them, but we had a few deflections and stuff, and it could be one of those results that's just, you know, stand out, doesn't really mean anything in the grander scheme. So to then go hard-fought game at Leicester, win it last minute, pull out a completely different type of three points at another club looking for a top-four finish... Uh, went a long way for confidence I think to to show us that we've that the progress we've made since last season is really really incredible um, and then I, I just have to sorry Cole I just have to mention one more thing before I pass on to you shouts out to Louis Barry man that goal that goal against Liverpool in the cup I haven't
3: celebrated,
4: I haven't celebrated many goals this season the way that I celebrated that and it was the fact that they had the absolute nerve to put out pretty much, okay, not exactly an entire first starting eleven, but putting out senior players, had Salah on the pitch, like talk about about overkill. And then to score a goal, and not only to score a goal against them, but a team full of teenagers, obviously, but quality goal as well. And like Louis Barry, and what was it Plopped said after the game, Barry looks like a little Jamie Vardy. And I mean, he... he, uh, it's, he looked as, as accomplished a finisher as Watkins did in that moment and I think that was a moment that really got us all really excited and I think obviously since then we've tracked the youth team and uh, you know they've had incredible success so we had a crowd there for the youth cup final but I think that Louis Barry goal that moment was one that really uh, sparked the interest in the youth team to a new level and made us realize that actually not only is the first team making huge progress but we've got We've got a serious crop of
0: young players on our hands here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to cheat for my overall answer because I'm the host, so I made these questions I'm allowed to. I'll do what I want. Um, But if I had to say one moment, and this maybe sounds a little bit pathetic, but I've never seen such – that's probably the most positive Twitter reaction we got all season when Keenan Davis scored. I'm not even kidding. Like the amount of people were just all caps, Keaton Davis. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was a personal moment. I was very happy for him. It just, I don't know, finally breaking that duct and everyone saying he can't score. And okay, yeah, it was a little bit lucky and all that kind of stuff. And it's West Brom being poor, but I don't know, just on a a personal level. It was great to see that finally kind of be put to bed. Um, But I'm going to kind of go into moments, I guess, and uh, just say Ollie Watkins loves North London. He scored four goals against Arsenal and uh, Spurs combined this season. Um, I mean, beating Arsenal 3-0, I don't think I was any more giddy on my couch than that. Beating them again um, 1-0, and then just topping it off with uh, the Spurs win, of course. It just... uh, We have a good striker. It's so nice to know that we have someone that can score goals. I think that's what I'm really getting at. But... uh, yeah. Long may it continue. And you know what? The, the funniest thing after all beating Arsenal twice, they still think they could have Ollie Watkins and Jack Grealish if they paid like 10 pounds for them, because apparently they're just that superb as a, as a, as a club. So um, keep dreaming Arsenal fans. Cause if that happens, um, I, I don't believe in the universe at all anymore, but anyways, uh, we'll pan it back to Danny and we'll go with uh, who's most likely to kick on next season. So Danny, take it away.
1: Yeah, okay. So I don't know if this is if, you're, if I'm allowed to pull this card out now, but I'm going to play the Jack Grealish card. <laughs> it has to be said that, you know, I think he'll have been disappointed with the last season. That injury took him out, you know, for way too long. Um, and it's, it is a bit of a, one if, a what if, isn't it? You know, we really do wonder what could have come of our season if Jack Grealish had stayed fit. We really do. I don't think he's leaving in the summer. So next season is quite possibly gonna be his best ever season at Villa let's hope that he can fire us into the into the uh, you know European places we really do not know but I think it's got to be him because everything that we've seen of him when he has played everything is indicated that he is a top top player and that he's one of the best players in the league one of the best most valuable players in the world everything that we have seen has has, has, has shown us that so yeah I think I've got to go for I've got to go for Jack reader she's you know he, the, the team plays through him you could see the difference when he was here and you could see the difference when he was out injured we, we came up against Tottenham and Chelsea at the end of the season with a fully fit Jack Grealish coming back in the team and we looked a different side so uh, yeah no let's play through uh, through through Jack next season again and uh, hopefully with a little bit more support more quality around him Um, and yeah it's got to be Jack Grealish as the, as the guy that's going to kick on the most next year
2: okay so I, I I kind of struggled initially to think of who I'd pick for this one I'm going to go um, for Carnley Chukamaka because I think he's going to play quite a bit of football next season. Um, I've, I've only seen him, obviously, yeah, play a handful of times. I remember watching the, I think it's the quarterfinal of the Youth Cup against Newcastle when he scored a hat-trick. And I was watching that game and I was thinking that there's no point in this lad playing uh, at, at this level anymore because he's just far too good. I mean, he's only 17 and it looks... It looked like you were watching men against boys, which is ridiculous because they were all boys playing there, but he was just outstanding. And I think the fact that he's uh, he, got, he came on against Tottenham for a few minutes and then he, he got, was it what, 15, 20 minutes against Chelsea then the following game, um, I just think I, I would expect him to have quite a bit of involvement in around the, the first team next season. Obviously not going to be played every game because you know, he's still only 17. But I, I just think just from the little bits I've seen of him, he just looks a ridiculously good talent who now needs to be playing men's first team football. So, yeah, I'm going to go for Carney to to be the one most likely to kick on next year.
3: That's a really interesting choice, actually, and one I probably hadn't thought of. I mean, if you compare Chuck Romaker for a second, he's only a year older than me and he's, he's making his debut at Villa Park in front of thousands and I'm sat here analysing his debut at Villa Park that was played in front of thousands. But um, <laughs> moving on, my player to kick on is Morgan Sanson, actually, because I remember Perslow said at the time that he was initially going to be a summer signing, but due to the frailties of the French League and the financial incompetence, we were able to get that deal done for cheaper and quicker in January. Obviously, it didn't work out for him this season with his setbacks, with injury, etc., etc. But I think if he gets a run in the first team, we could possibly see what he's made of. And obviously, you know, Rob McKenzie bringing Kante to Leicester and Riyad Mahrez to Leicester, you know, he's got an eye for a deal, especially from the French League. But if Sanson could reproduce his faith next season after having a longer stint in the first team, then he could be a very exciting player indeed. I enjoyed that
4: the, when you said uh, Morgan Sanson, the uh, everyone's face was one of uh, I think we'd all pretty much forgotten about him, <laughs> which is uh, unfortunate. But yeah, I mean, they like I think he is a player for next season. I think it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting choice. And I mean, he looked he certainly looked neat and tidy when we saw him, um, but you can't get you can't get a read on a player, can you? For for a, he needs to get a run of games. Um, and and he won't be the forgotten man anymore. Um, uh, in terms of my choice for most likely to kick on, it sounds weird considering that he finished as our top scorer and he's had an excellent first season. But I'm going to say Ollie Watkins because sorry, Cole. <laughs> um, because I, uh, you know, <laughs> Cole's got... Cole's distraught. Yeah. Um, he got 14 goals. Um, like we said already, like he's hit the woodwork a lot. He's had goals ruled out for offside, and you got to bear in mind as well. He's played. Three months of the season without his chief creative force behind him or on the left of him or whatever. Um, so, I mean, if we get Grealish fit for a full season, we if we do add, I know we were all talking about Al Ghazi earlier and uh, singing his praises as an underrated player, but I would still like to see another quality winger come in. Um, even if it's, you know, for rotation, competition for places. we add a, If we get deep Grealish fit, add a bit more to the creativity behind Watkins, Ollie Watkins is a ready-made 20-goal-a-season striker in waiting. He was unlucky not to get close to that mark this season. Um, and, and next season, I genuinely think I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him um, right, the 20-goal barrier. Particularly, I mean, I, I I keep my fingers crossed for him. I'm, I'm lost where we are now with the England squad, but I know there's, there are cuts to the England squad coming. I hope, beyond hope, that Watkins stays in the squad, even if he doesn't get many minutes at the Euros, because I think that I think he deserves to be there, and I think that will also aid in his development and pushing him on. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with Watkins. I think if we get, back him up a little bit more, 20-goal a season striker, He'll be kicking on. Um,
0: uh, yeah. Well, that sucks for me because um, as Simon was saying, oh, he didn't really have an answer initially. And I thought, I haven't even thought of an answer. So I don't know why I was so confident. Um, I, immediately I went to Watkins and that was kind of taken. So, um, you know what, if I'm going to be a little bit different, um, I'm going to go with uh, Ezri Konza I know it's kind of hard to maybe even expect more out of the man, but I, I think with how young he is, how established he is, and I think he's the better to of our uh, center back pairing. So you know what? I I think the sky's the limit for him. He's going to get better next season. Uh, We're going to be a lot more calmer at the back, which is kind of a weird thing being a Villa fan and saying that, considering some of the defenders we've had over the year, Uh, Felipe Sunderos, eat your heart out. Um, (laughs) There's just been a lot of really bad ones um but you know what also shout out shout out to uh, concrete ron as well um just kind of nice to hear his name and all his contributions but anyways i'll stop rambling on we'll get to the uh the final uh topic of this and we'll try to fly through this one because i know uh, we're running short of time uh so danny who is your player of the season
1: oh, this is so hard man honestly I, I i i've been trying to think of it and i just can't i can't nail it between jack Grealish and Nemi martinez um, but I'm gonna go with Emi Martinez because he played the entire season and because he was so instrumental in, in you know our defense being, you know better than it has done, uh better than it has been for years. The fact that he's that he's won his games on his own. I, I don't want to repeat myself. You know we spoke about Emi Martinez earlier on in the podcast. It would have been Jack Grealish. It would have been him if it stayed fit, right? The the because because. The difference in the games that he played and the difference that in the games that he didn't play, you could see completely that we were a different side um, and we were European side with him in it, but but the fact that Emi Martinez uh, came here after being second choice at Arsenal and became, as I say, the best goalkeeper in the league, it would be harsh not to give it to him because uh, there's nothing more he could have done. And it's very difficult when you talk about defenders, and it's very difficult when you talk about goalkeepers to to give them the same sort of plaudits because all a striker needs to do is score goals, right? All a midfielder needs to do is score a few goals, get a few assists, but for a goalkeeper, for a defender. Um, it's harder to give them the plaudits they deserve. Uh, but I'm telling you right now, this this guy, Emi Martinez, best goalkeeper we've, we've had since I've started watching uh, Villa play. Um, and he is the best goalkeeper in the league right now. And yeah, long may it continue. So he's my player of the season.
2: Yeah, like Danny said, it's it's been a difficult one this year for the first time in a long time. It's been difficult to pick the player of the season. There's been a few options. But yeah. Um, I'm going to go for Ezra Konza. He's the one that I voted for uh, on the video website for the Fans Player of the Year. I just think he's been outstanding. I, I thought the back end of last season, you saw that there was a really good player there. And I just think he's been exceptional this season. And I, I personally think that he's so, so, so unfortunate to have been left out of the England squad. Um, you know, how Ben White and Ben Godfrey and Connor Cody have got calls up over him. I'll never understand, but I'm sure his time will come. But yeah, my player this season, as a I'm
3: going to keep mine quick because I can see Cole sweating at the fact that there's such little time left. But I'm going to agree with Danny. I think Emi Martinez has been the best goalkeeper in the league this season. You know, the third most clean sheets and the two people above him, Eduard Mendy for Chelsea and Edison for Man City. I had a look and in total, he's made, I think, triple the amounts of both of them. So, Although they've got the most clean sheets, they've got a significantly better defense in front of them. Yes, yeah, so for me, it's got to be Emi Martinez.
4: And the same for me, really, for the uh, you know for the same reasons. I think pound for pound and per set, you know, saves per game, everything like that. I think I I inclined to agree with Annie that he's certainly up there among the best keepers in the league. Um, and I can't feel like I can't really give every uh, every award to Ollie Watkins as much as I might want to. So we'll go with uh, Martinez for this one.
0: Fair enough, yeah. I'm going to go with Martinez as well. Um, They always say that goalkeepers gain you points, at least good ones, and the fact that we've gained 20 um, is large in part due to him, if not more than 20 points. So, um, I mean, really, what more can I say? These guys have went over him so well. Um, He's the player of the season by far. Um, There's more to come from him for sure, and uh, long may that continue. Other clubs can stay away. Um, We don't have to worry about selling players anymore. We're just in a really good spot, I think, is what I'm trying to get at. But uh, anyways, everybody, uh, thank you for listening very much. Um, This kind of puts a wrap on the 2020-21 Premier League season. It's all done with. We can all look back uh, with a sense of pride on it, really, I guess, and a little bit of joy. So we'll we'll put that in the history books. We know Villa can uh, hopefully kick on a few decent signings and um i I guess the one thing i can say is best of luck to uh elmo tom heaton and to uh neil taylor as well they've recently left thank you for your contributions without those um may not have sustained premier league status as of last season and we may never have went up with their without their contributions as well so they have to be mentioned but on a more personal note i got my thank yous from danny last week um so i'm going to return the favor Um, And go through this really quickly because I know we're running out of time. But the first has to go to Danny. Danny's been here since day one that I've joined. Um, He's continued to help keep me sane. And with my pity party that I throw sometimes, he's uh, joined and recorded with me when he probably doesn't feel like it. Um, I can still remember the days of uh, James trying to kind of catch him down finally after Danny's living the high life in Manchester. And we finally got him on a pod to meet him. And you know what? We haven't looked back since. Uh Simon's been a very welcome addition. It's been so nice to find a a third person that we've always kind of been looking for, someone that's consistent, speaks well, and uh it's just kind of good fun to chat with. And of course, we need to up the knowledge and the age of this podcast to be a little bit more mature. So we've got him in to do that as well. <laughs> um I've got the finger. I, I think that's a finger of love, but anyways. And you know what? Um, I do have to thank Seb and Tom as well. Um, they're newer editions, of course. You guys are just hearing from them, but hopefully they'll be here around for the uh, foreseeable future long may that continue. And thank you for your contributions uh, so far as well. Um, and thank you to me. Um, I'm just going to give myself that little pat on the back. So there's my pat on the back. Uh, but anyways, we'll wrap it up there guys. We're running out of time. Thank you for following it. It means a lot um, to anybody that's listened to this podcast in the past. It'll continue in the future. We'll take a little break. We'll reset, maybe have a few things come up in the summer, but anyways, don't forget uh, the Villa.